Hello and welcome back to History for Everyone. I'm Josephine. I'm Anais. I'm Lisa. And I'm Anthony. In today's second installment of our segment of the Algerian War, we will be discussing a second form of educational medium that had its importance in constructing a more private memory of the events, family narratives. So Josephine, why are we going to discuss family narratives? They seem more personal than social, right? Well, think again. Family narratives form a part of the idea of myth-making, stories that people grow up with, and can really shape one's understanding of a particular historical event. At first, the Algerian War does not seem like a particularly relevant topic to study through this lens. With 1.2 million Abelais being sent to fight, you would think that family narratives were formed right away and that having an Abelais in one's family immediately constituted a part of a larger myth, but the historical reality is very different. Family narratives typically did not evolve right away, and there was a period of silence that mirrored that of society. There was always this idea that the Algerian war was an embarrassment, and that it should be tossed aside, and the voices of the Abelais were actually not heard for most of the 20th century. Because of this, it comes as no surprise that family narratives took a while to fully develop, and I think that studying this evolution with regards to social changes can really help us understand the subject of this podcast, which is the education of the French generations that followed the Algerian war. So, Anaïs, you told me you knew a lot about the Appelais' return to France. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of those memories and testimonies of returning soldiers? Definitely. Um, so basically, as was said in our first podcast, just to recap, um, the Appelais were French soldiers who were sent to fight in Algeria from 1954 to July 1962 when Algeria won its independence. Um, so basically, we can talk about three very distinct phases of the narrative that the Appelais imparted to their families and then later on to the rest of the French public. Um, so basically, right after they came back from Algeria, there was a period from the 1960s to the, 1960s to the 1980s where most Appelais rallied around the idea of forgetting the years of traumatic violence they had suffered abroad or that they had inflicted on others abroad, resulting in the auto-silencing of their memories for these two decades. Um, so there were some interesting reasons for this silence. The first one being that um, they were sort of haunted by past narratives of their fathers and grandfathers from World War I and World War II, um, because their grandfathers who fought in World War I were seen as heroes who ultimately sacrificed their lives for a bigger cause, and the Appelais, who were mainly born between 1933 and, uh, and the 1940s, um, lived during World War II, so they witnessed, uh, they witnessed French resistance groups fight to um, take back their territory to take back their country. Um, so these men who now arrived in Algeria in the 50s were seen as the conquerors and not the conquered as they had been. So these past narratives that lived in the Appelais' minds were the first reason for their silence. Um, the second reason for their silence was the guilt and shame that served as instigators of the familial taboo. So basically, many men struggled with the unbearable nature of the atrocities that they had witnessed and more importantly, the traumas that they had inflicted on others. Um, for example, an, a former appelé Jean Le Blum confided to historians that he took part in gathering women and stripping them to then kill them, and also confided that he could never tell such a thing to his family. So basically, most of the appelé who fought in Algeria did not reveal similar things to their families out of the fear of being forever seen as inhuman. But can we consider this silence on the part of the appelé the omission of a narrative or the first narrative to actually emerge out of the war? So the narrative of the Algerian war as seen through the lens of the appelé 
was just being communicated in a different form, which was silence, as silence is a form of communication and was itself the first narrative to emerge in France. Um, and it's interesting to note that silence was a narrative not only chosen by the French soldiers, but also one sort of semi-imposed on them by the family. Because when the soldiers came back from Algeria, French society was in a sort of semi-slumbering state where it had not really recognized what the war was about or the fact that it was a war. So all families wanted to do was get back to normal life with their husbands present. Anthony, can you tell us more about the importance of the chronology of the impartition of these memories to the family? Yes, for sure. So. Basically, the chronology is divided into three major periods. So, first between the 60s and the 80s, so there was a kind of silence. Basically, the appelés, most of them traumatized by the, by, by the Algerian war, did not talk at all about their experiences. But then, in the uh, 90s, there was a kind of shift, um, notably with the legal recognition of the war in 1999. Like, in brief, the period from um, 1954 uh, to 1962 in Algeria when, uh, went from the events um, of Algeria to the Algerian war. In addition, the historian started to play a major role in gathering testimonies, uh, but it must be stated that there was still a discomfort of the appellate to talk um, about the past. Finally, in the 20s, uh, the rise of the curiosity of the descendants and their rising confidence to ask the burdening questions increased the impartation of his memories to the family. In addition, the media started to cover a bit more the Argent War, broadcasting interviews or testimonies. So all in all, it encourages the narratives of the appellate to emerge and more and more appellate began to tell the stories. Let's now dive in another part of the podcast. Um, while doing our research on a French French decolonization of Algeria, we realized that um, the children of the appellate was sort of inheritors or ayah of silence. Uh, so as I mentioned previously, the 20s marked uh, the start of the time for descendants of the appellate to feel more confident asking their fathers or grandfathers questions about their time spent in Algeria, especially after having seen more truths of the others and their compatriots' experience being talked about on TV and being published uh, in books. Um, which is totally in, in contrast and in contradiction to the uh, 70s and the 80s when no one would have asked his or her father if they um, had tortured people in Algeria. Yet this question would be deemed uh, less taboo in the early 20s with the subject being talked about on TV and uh, also on the radio. Yes, Dr. Anthony, I, I totally agree with you. Actually, children inherited silence as children, but they also inherited the evolution of their grandparents' narrative. So, actually, the spoken version of it. Um, that came later, later on in the 20th century. And to illustrate it, I'm thinking of a book, a book um, Les Héritiers du Silence, written by uh, Florence Doz. Um, in it, we have a close-up look at her curiosity, um, as she is a daughter of an appellee, and she wanted to, her, um, to hear sorry, her father's story to have a better understanding of, of it. And uh, Florence claims that um, there has not been enough research done on the children of the appellee and the dealing with a narrative belonging to 
um, to a past that does not pass, which is the idea of Mr. Conan and Mr. Russo Vichy. Um, and it was because those narratives are only just recently being transmitted to them. Um, in fact, the only way for this past of the Algerian war to move forward is for what is called um, the Memoir Second or the second generation of memories of the conflict as told by the children and grandchildren um, inheriting the first generation of memories. I mean, the goal is to prevail and become normalized in French society. Uh, as, as such, she had a clear representation of the transmission of memory and Florence declared um, that the stake of the appropriation of the memory by the following generation overcome it by integrating them into a common past. So basically, it was already difficult for a family memory to form in the case of people directly related to Apley. So just imagine how complicated it was for those who weren't. So I can testify for this. Um, my grandmother was a student when the war broke out, and she only learned about it through student protests. There's no other way she could have really known about it. It's not like she was keeping in touch with a soldier, and the war was happening overseas, far away from the Parisian university where she was studying. Between the 1960s and the 1980s, the general view was that Algeria was to be forgotten. Because of this absence of information, it was hard to construct an original memory stemming from my grandmother's generation. I think that's why she was unable to transmit a memory of the Algerian war to my mother, who told me she had first heard about the war when she was about 14 or 15 through school. I don't think it was necessarily a taboo in our family back then, but how could my grandmother pass down a narrative she didn't feel like she knew? The problem is that this lack of transmission due to a lack of information contributes to the societal silence that continues to make talking about the Algerian war hard today. But don't you think that it's a bit of an inescapable question though. Like, I don't think a single metropolitan French family was entirely exempt from the Al Algerian war. I mean, uh, 1.2 million young men were sent to fight. Uh, you had to be related to one of them somewhere down the line. Well, in my mother's case, she had three uncles who fought in the war. Not that they talked about it when they came back, of course, as Anais mentioned previously. But my grandmother once told me that their silence was what made the family memory of the conflict weak. Yeah, she couldn't invent a narrative based off of their silence. Exactly. What really changed in my family was the fact that one of my mother's uncles, who was an appelé, committed suicide due to mental health issues he developed during the war. That was the first time they really talked about it as a family. My mother also told me that she lived with the daughter of a archi for a while. I guess what we can take away from this is that, in families where the father wasn't an appelé, no narrative was passed on to the children because of a lack of information and the government's willingness to keep the Algerian war hush. They had to make do with narratives from outside the nuclear family, the little who were taught in school, or whatever the government's involving stance on the conflict was at the time. So, basically, whether you were from a family that was directly tied to an appelé or from one that was more of an outsider to the conflict, the trajectory of the narrative of the Algerian war remained the same. It had to go through two decades of silence, followed by a decade of beginning recognition and historians' interest in collecting the Apelé's testimonies, to finally come to a place in the 2000s where the Apelé felt more comfortable uh, to share their memories with their children and grandchildren, who will go on to share these memories on a larger scale with the French public. Thank you, and see you next week for the third episode of History for Everyone, where we will talk about culture as the mirror of the evolution of memories.